Welcome back to the podcast. After nearly five months without a podcast, as I've been dealing with some personal stuff, and this is me back. This episode of the podcast is with the Magic Mod, and it was recorded at the start of May. So apologies if there's any sort of timestamps that are not relevant, but I thought I would put it out there. I've got a lot more guests coming up, I've got some booked, so we should be going back to weekly slash fortnightly episodes. As I said, this episode's with The Magic Mod. If you're not aware of him, The Magic Mod, he's a magician. Also, he's a big Paul Weller fan, and Paul Weller has took him on tour with him. Uh, as well as that, he's been on tour with the Libertines and Reverend and the Makers, and He's actually been doing his own tour as well. I don't know what sort of dates he's got, got coming up now, but at the time he was he was embarking on a tour at the time of recording. Hope you all enjoy the podcast, and I'll be back very soon with another one. Thanks. Right, um, Ben Taylor, also known as the Magic Mod, thank you very much for coming on the Time for Heroes podcast. What I do at the start is just get you to get back to where it all began, what it was like for you growing up. So just take it away for there. I mean, my earliest memories of growing up, mate, uh, being in Crawley, um, always having a deck of cards in me, on my, on, on my person, shall I say, um, kicking balls against garage doors around the estate, uh, playing knockdown ginger, uh, you know, just doing the stuff that a, a normal youngster would do, mate. Um, Education-wise, um, I never really liked school. I always thought I was going to be a professional footballer, and that never, never ha- obviously happened. Hence, why I'm a magician. The next best thing, eh? But you know, I had I had a fantastic childhood, always with my mum and dad, uh, with my friends. Um, as I said, always. Let me say. Um, you know, I was I was always getting up to mischief in school. Um, I wasn't a bad kid, and I certainly wasn't a bully. But I always used to do probably silly things that would always end up getting me in trouble. I.e., um, I think I set a bin of fire. I, I set fire to some bit of paper, and it ended <laughs> up in a bin. I thought I thought I blew the paper out. Next thing you know, we've turned around, and the bins caught a light. Uh, listen, there's more stories like that. I wasn't, I wasn't into burning stuff, or certainly worse than weren't into like arson and all that. Do you know what I mean? But you know, I think when you're a kid, you just you you always have a little bit of a yeah. devilish side. Yeah, no, I think you as well. That is, you're just you're you're not ever carry on all the time. I mean, what's his name? Steve Marriott. When he was a kid, he burnt his school down, didn't he? Near enough. <laughs> I remember reading a story about that. So I weren't that bad, but. Yeah, and, you know, as I said, Crawley was where I was born and bred and, you know, lovely little place. Wasn't really too much going on. You had the football club, which was in the Dr. Martins League. It's now in League Two now. Um, And a nice big leisure centre used to go there and play football all the time. And there was the old leisure centre had some amazing bands. The Jam played there twice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jimi Hendrix actually played there. Um, they had some amazing, amazing, you know, people back in the day play there. And the new one they've got now, Paul Weller's played there twice and they've had some big names as well. But yeah, other than that, that, mate, 
Yeah, other than so that, where, where was... were you? Whereabouts were you in Crawley? Just because my my missus is through there. My missus is down there, now. Oh yeah, uh, Tilgate. I was right by the park. Right. Well, we're they're just in the corner there in uh, Furnace Green. Oh, I know Furnace Green. Yeah, they used to have. Um, I believe Furnace Green's where they had a tackle shop years ago. Uh, no, I'm thinking of somewhere else now. I'm thinking of West Green. That's West Green. No, Gossip Screens. Um, they've got the charcoal burners, the pub, isn't it? Yeah, I've been and yeah, watched yeah. there. I've been in there a few times, mate. Don't you worry about that. Yeah, <laughs> I've been in the other one as well. I've been in that one in Tilgate, as it, uh, the Grasshopper or something. I've been in quite a Yeah, the Hoppers. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a lovely little pub. Um, I've been, listen, the local pubs have seen me in there a few times. Put it that way, mate. Um, so, what what happened then? What were you into first? Was it music or magic? Mm, I'll be honest, mate. Probably the uh, probably the music um, from when I was about seven years old. I remember rooting through some old music, and I stumbled across uh, the jam, and. I was blown away and I ended up asking my mum to go out and get me some music. I called it mod music at the time. I remember it because the reason I remember something like that is because it was sort of like, it's one of them moments like everyone knows where Michael, where you were when Michael Jackson died. You know, everyone knows where you were when um, 9-11, everyone knows exactly where you were when something like that happened. I knew exactly what happened when I first discovered my first bit of music. The jam, and like I said, it um, the first album was uh, all mod cons. Mm-hmm. The, the album my mum went and got me on vinyl, and I didn't obviously. It was only a youngster. I'm sure it was about six or seven, and my mum let me borrow her or mum put it on her turntable in the vinyl player we had downstairs. And I remember listening to it, and I was hooked. And I must have played it religiously, you know, four or five times a day. Yeah. You know, after school, used to get up early before I go to school and pull it on while I was getting dressed and that. And yeah, man, it's there's you don't get bands like that anymore. You see, so many people think you know a, a lot of bands now they they put a song out, they put it out on Spotify, and they think, yeah, brilliant, we've got a song on Spotify. You should go and listen to it. But why should we go and listen to it just because it's there? You got to make us want to listen to it. You know, you got to do something. You know, like the jam, look at the jam. They didn't have no, there was nothing like all this internet or, or you know, the Spotify. Uh, and they certainly weren't on the TV when they first come about. And what they did is they did these small, intimate gigs and word of mouth got about, check this band out, check this band out. Next thing you know, they're playing at some of the best venues in the world, you know. Yeah. And that's what I love. They put the graft in. The, the whole story about the jam's uprising is just amazing. And, you know, it annoys me. No, annoy. Nothing annoys me. Let me just get that. Let me put that one right. Nothing annoys me. But it's one of them things where I think a lot of other people get annoyed when they get messages from people in bands, and it's just like share this. You know, it's not like a hello, how are you, or hi, hope yeah. you're all right. Would you mind listening to this song? It's just share this. Like, hang on, like. <laughs> It's got to be something really, really like bang hit you in the face for anyone to really listen to it in the first place these days because it is such a hard business now, the music industry, because 
there's so many bands you know you have to really stand out if you want to sort of like make a half decent career in it and I mean even if you are that good and you're all on Spotify and you're getting something like you know 25,000 listeners listens a day or, or whatever you know you're still not making money out of that you need to be out there gigging and putting graft in and I think a lot of people these days are a little bit shy about that they're, they're happy with just putting a song out on Spotify when you know, you really need to be out there gigging and, and doing a live yeah. show and getting people well, talking about you. I, I've got friends in bands and they all say the same thing. The, you, the way you make your money is through gigs. Doing gigs Man. and selling merch and stuff like that. Yeah. Not so much the music, Definitely. but obviously the music has to be there for people to go to the gigs. Mm. But yeah, gigging, gigging is key. And obviously that's what these bands... That, that's that's hope, bread and butter. Yeah, man. Like I hope people who listen to this don't think that I'm, you know, I'm being arrogant or that I'm slamming, slating people or bands. I'm not. I'm just trying to say that it's one of them things where you just really need to put the graft in. And that that's not just for bands. That's for people who want to make a career in anything, mate. You know, if someone wants to be a footballer or even a magician or, or anything, mate, you know, you really have got to put a, you have to dedicate your life to it really to the point where you don't have a social life because all you're doing is trying your best to make a make your um career succeed yeah so obviously for the jam then did that lead you into all the other sort of the, the other sort of bands kind of for that scene pretty much mate yeah it's like a knock-on effect like from the jam and then got into like the small faces, the kinks, the who, madness, um, God, the Supremes I was listening to. I went into a phase with the Northern Soul because as we all know, yeah. it goes hand in hand with that era. Yeah, that and oh, of course, it's timeless. Music like that is timeless, mate. And yeah, I had, I had one of the best record collections by about 14, 15, mate. Seriously, you know. And I, I um, I used to take, I used to take my little um, right CD player, Walkman, what they call them, and uh, yeah. listen to. Used to have a different album on every day at school. But I always, you know, I was, I was always different. Always listen to different music to the other kids, you know, where they'd be listening to people like Eminem and and um, P Diddy, Fifty Cent. You know, I'd be listening to like a uh, greatest hits of the Who or something like that, Lonnie Donegan. You know, uh, Roy Orbison, Neil Diamond. List goes on, mate. I could talk about music for for years, honestly. Honest, like that's one one discussion that just there's never an ending. You can just talk about it for as long as you want, really, can't you? Yeah, it's it's nice to hear though that a young boy at that age and you still kind of you had the the passion for that type of music and. You obviously you were proud to listen to it. We were kind of being embarrassed that you weren't the kind of mainstream or whatever. No, of course, you know, like I've one of my first ever gigs I went to was Bad Manners, right? And I remember I was underage. Me and my mates, we all snuck in. At, uh, well, we did sneak in. We got our mates to buy us a ticket. It was over eighteen, and and we all went to Bad Manners, and we were the youngest ones there, obviously. And you could tell, you know, when we walked in there, we had all these. You know the big scooter boys, as I like to say. You know the the um, yeah, 
bald heads everywhere, big beer bellies, and then there's two little or three little lads walking in there who've just probably clean shaven because we never had anything. And we walked in there like, oh God. And you know what? It was the best gig, one of the best gigs. I still say to this day, that was one of the best gigs, Bad Manners at Concord 2. It was unbelievable. Um, and and from then on, I was hooked in live gigs and I really wanted to go. Sorry, mate, I'm trying to get a good angle. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm right. on a bed. I don't want you to think this is leading anywhere else. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, uh, yeah, I was hooked, absolutely hooked on uh, live music after that. And three weeks after seeing Bad Manners, I then went and saw Paul Weller at the Brighton Centre, uh, madness two months after uh, the rifles. Uh, this was all in the same year, mate. You know, and is like I said, I, I couldn't couldn't get enough of it. Whenever I saw a gig was coming on, that was it. I was hooked because yeah, that's what so, you get that bug for it, didn't you? Once you've got yeah. it, you're you're hooked. And I loved I love the merchandise stands. So I'm a sucker for that, mate. Especially when you go there. And everything's lined up lovely and they've got like a little unique thing like a bottle opener or, or a bloody deck of cards or something something really unique and you think oh, I'm just going to end up getting that and I want a t-shirt as well and I want this next thing you know you've blown all your money on uh, the merch table and you ain't got nothing else for a beer <laughs> so um, so you're going to all these gigs so when did um, the magic appear the magic's always been there, and that's a similar time, mate, to be fair. Um, it's one of them ones where I'm sure the music probably did come in first when I was six or seven, but the same thing is I ended up getting a magic set, a Paul Daniels one at the age of six for my I think it was Christmas or birthday. I, I can never quite get the right um, milestone, what one it was, Christmas or birthday, but it was that was it, mate, you know. Again, hooked, lifted up the lid. That was it. I was dragged in. I never never knew it would be a career or that I would achieve some amazing things that I've done, you know, because it's it still baffles me what I've achieved. And um, at the time, I just thought it would be a little part-time hobby, really, you know, just something you'd pick up um, and just have fun with, you know. I, I didn't do it to... I didn't do it really at the time to impress anyone or, or to you know I don't really know I just it was like a it was like a games console for me that was my games console I used to just pick it up and right. practice and learn new tricks and there was no better feeling than I mean, uh, I, learning I a new trick one of them. I can mind having one it came in the wee box and all that I, I can mind having one and I don't think I've fucking done one magic trick right? I don't think I could fucking work it out no um Listen, it's not for everyone, mate, because you get people who, listen, if, if I think everyone, everyone in the world has, has had a magic set at some point in their life because it was one of them things where Christmas come around, what you get people, boom, a magic set. Paul Daniels magic set or Marvin magic, Marvin magic, magic set. And, you know, it's one of them things. Everyone in the world has had a magic set at yeah. some point in their life. Now, if everyone then went on to do it, oh, everyone's going to be a magician, isn't they? But no one does that. You know, it's yeah. it's one of them things. You really need to... Um, I think you really have just got to have a general love of it to then take it on to the next level. Well, that, that's the next question. And how, how do you take that on to the next level? How did, how did you progress that? 
Ah, uh, it's. By the way, can you see that? What is that? What is that exactly? So I found these. These you remember the old transfers tattoos? Uh-huh. You used to go out with this gender. Ah, yeah. So, like, my girlfriend had a load because she's going on some stag do. And I thought I'd put one on me and take a picture and say to my mum, I've got a tattoo. It's come out so bad, mate. And we went out for a Nando's and I had a a short sleeve T-shirt on and it's hang, you know, the tattoos, everyone could see it. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I forgot about that. I look like a right div, don't I? (laughs) But you've got to have a laugh, ain't you, mate? That's what life's all about, having a laugh in life. Um, Getting on to the next level, it's, um, the, do you know, it's you yourself, you know, like when I, as a, going back to when I first started, mm-hmm. I could have quite easily put the cards down and never gone and picked them up again. But because I was so hooked on it, I knew after probably a couple of years, I think I had a break from maybe two years. I'm sure I did where I just didn't didn't have an interest in magic at all, right? right? And I think that was more due to being involved in football more and wanting to pursue a career in football. And I ended up being in a football academy for two years. So I was training Monday to Friday. And on the weekends, I was still playing for a team on Saturday. And then I was playing Sunday league as well, which you're not supposed to have done other teams outside. But I ended up doing it. And I'm suffering now because I've got worse knees than my uncle, mate. My knees are completely done. I need um, two knee, uh, I need a uh, knee ligament, so what's it called? Keel surgery on my right. left leg and, and my right one's no good as well. So my days of playing football, you know, pretty much near enough every day have come back to haunt me, really. But it was fun at the time. But if you told me I wouldn't be able to kick a ball at the age of 31, I probably would have, you know, stopped and slowed down a bit. Just- but... It didn't stop you doing those um, knee slides the other night at, at Craven Cottage. <laughs> yeah, but I used to, I used to have a little bit of pace about me, mate. I can't now. I've seen JCBs move quicker than me now, mate. I tell you. <laughs> but still got my still got the still got the baby face. So I've settled for that. But going on to the next level, it's it's really how how far you want to push yourself, you know? Because it's it, I know this is going to sound silly. But it's not, but it's harder for a magician than it is a band. Because if you think about it, a band can put a lot, put music out on the internet, you know, put a song on YouTube, put a song on Spotify, you know, and people can listen to it while doing the cooking, the cleaning, the ironing, doing whatever, right? And, and they could have it on repeat or they could have it while playing in the car. You know, magician, you have to, you have to say yourself, if I wanted to say I sent you a magic trick, a clip, you're going to have to stop for two or three minutes of your time, sit there and watch the whole thing. Yeah, not many people are going to do that. I've been very fortunate on, on Twitter to have built a very good following and Magic Mod Monday works brilliantly. Facebook, I don't really use as much now. I just do it more of a personal thing and Instagram, not as much. But you can push yourself to any level. Now, I've never said to myself, you know, I want to be, I'm at, I don't know, say A at the moment, I want to be at B or I'm at B now, I want to be on C or C and D. You know, I've never really said, right, I'm here now, I'm going to push myself. I've just always said, right, at the end of the, at the beginning of the year, I've set myself a goal. 
Okay. If I achieve that goal, I will then set myself another goal. If at the end of that year, I don't achieve them goals, then the next year I will maybe lower the goals. But the lucky thing is, is I have achieved all them goals that I wanted to because mm -hmm. I'm, I, all right, I don't, I don't say, right, it's, it's Jan, you know, in January, I want to play Brixton Academy. I want to set out Brixton Academy. I want to do this. I want to do that. No, I ain't going to realistically happen, right? I set myself realistic targets that are going to happen so then not, I don't get disappointed. And if I do get a bonus of a festival or something else or a TV show, or this or that and that, everything's a bonus, <coughs> you know? And I think that's why I've really had the love and the bug for such a long time in magic and I haven't fallen out with it because as soon as you start, the same as music as well, as soon as you start setting yourself a goal and that goal doesn't happen, you're going to then fall in love with something. You're, you're going to then fall out of love with something yeah. that in the beginning you fell in love with. And I've had this chat with many musicians because they, oh, no one listens to my music. One, this, But I say, you don't do it for that reason. I don't do my magic because I want to sell out arenas. I want to sell out this. And then I do my magic because I love it and that it makes me happy. And I think in any anything in life, you need to do stuff that makes you happy. And if me playing with a deck of cards, shuffling them in my room makes me happy, then I'm happy with that, mate. But this is the thing as well. If if the if the audience can see that you're happy, then that makes them happy as well. So that that's the key to it, isn't it? Yeah, man, it rubs off. And the thing is with me, when I when I do when I do these shows, I have the best time in the world, mate. And I think that rubs off exactly like what you just said. It does rub off. And, and the crowd end up enjoying it and not thinking, oh, God, is he going to pick on me? I fucking hope not. People enjoy my shows and I've not had one bad comment. You know, it's, it's I enjoy it. It's not a job. How can, when people say, oh, it's a job, it's not, it's not a job because I enjoy it. You know, and I, I don't class it as a job. I class it as something I love to do. Yeah. So how did the um, how did kind of supporting bands? How did that come about? Like obviously Paul Weller took you into a, quite a bit. I'm pretty sure. That yeah, that no, I did. Well. So I did like I did three nights with Paul, but three weeks, just under a month with Libertines, two nights with Reverend and the Makers, another festival with the Libertines, four nights with Pete Doherty solo. And in between some independent artists and that, that I, I agreed to um, jump on because they were admirers of my work and they said it'd be an honour for me to be, uh, for me to, you know, when, when someone says that, you know, oh, it'd be an honour if you'd be in our lineup. That that's touching to me. That's such a beautiful thing to say that, of course I'm going to do it because it's, you, you've just spent your time saying that. You know, and what a beautiful thing to say. Oh, we'd love to have you. So of course I'm going to do it. But, yeah, the, the, it all started off. Paul gave me my chance, and I did two nights in the Hammersmith Apollo and one night in um, Brighton Centre. I think it was Brighton first, mm -hmm. and then the week after it was, um, yeah, it was, it was Brighton on the Saturday, and then the week after it was Hammersmith Apollo Friday and the Friday and Saturday. And I was just working the crowd in the auditoriums, doing the VIP bar, um, doing the bat, you know, doing tricks to the bands and doing like the after party um, for them shows. And then with the Libertines, I wanted to up the game and I wanted to really, I think they wanted me 
I didn't really have a choice, to be fair. They wanted me on the stage. They wanted me to be, you know, one of the last support bands that people, or one of the last support acts, shall I say, sorry, that people see. And I think that really did give me the, the confidence and the belief that I could do it on a bigger scale. Because you think, in a band, you're going to have, unless you're a solo artist, you're going to have probably three or four people behind you. Okay, so if you get something wrong, you're going to have someone else to fall back on where they can help you and dig yeah. you out of this hole. If I'm if I'm on there, it's quiet. It's just me. I'm doing a trick. If it goes wrong, who's going to dig me out of that hole? So that's where you yeah. really need to be. It must take you know, some on the so, ball. But that that's a hang then as well. You must get some buzzer to. Yeah, mate. Like there's not there's nothing like it. There's no buzz like it. That's the most amazing thing. The adrenaline, everything. You know, it takes a few hours. When 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 you then wake up the next morning, I'm still buzzing because I think shit that happened, and we're gonna do it all over again. You're looking on your social media, seeing if anyone commented about you, and nine times out of ten, someone would say something lovely, mm. and then they would uh, put a picture up. Because let's be honest. You go to a music gig and, and you've got a magician there, that's different, isn't it? Like, people are going to watch it just to see, just because they're curious of how it's going to work. So, and going, going back a wee bit, obviously, Paul Weller was the first one to you know, take you on um, one of these gigs. So, how did that come about? Was he aware of you? Yeah, we built up a friendship, you know, and ended up being friends and I remember at one time he just said you know would you like to do what a couple of my shows and and that was it mate you know you, just because it's like a major honour for like a, he's obviously the first oh. guy that you've ever listened to or exactly changed the game that's when I started taking myself a bit more seriously and and that's when I started really developing the act and thinking I've got to be switched on here because if someone like your hero has put trust and, and believes in you, then you're doing something right. You know, because he's been around the game for a long time. He knows he, he, he ain't going to have any Muppet on there, you know, do, doing stuff, you know. And yeah. that's, that's true because he's a, he's a perfectionist. You know, the bloke's, bloke's a genius. Everything, he, everything he's brought out, in my opinion, has been amazing, you know. And... He's just one of them artists that's always going to bring out something unique and brilliant. I mean, he goes through so many different types of genres of music and it's still unique and it still sounds beautiful, you know, like with his last albums, you know, they, they've been amazing in the in the charts and it's just, it's a breath of fresh air to listen to his, his music. And when, when that opportunity come, you can't turn stuff like that down, mate. I mean, he must just be, a great guy to have around as well, just for advice. Just, I mean, you hear people talking about him, Johnny Marr and No Gallagher and all that, and they all take advice for him. Um, well, there you but, go, mate. That you, he's got the most. He's got. Look at the people who idolise him and that hang around. With, well, not hang around with him. Sorry. Look at the people who, like you said, Johnny Marr, Noel Gallagher, Paul McCartney's um, a big admirer as well. They're both. I think they've both done something as well back in the day, but they're, you know, they're some of the, but there's three of the biggest names in music yeah. ever, ever. And, and, you know, Paul's one of them people where he's just one of the most, he's the nicest guy in music. I've said that many a time because he is. 
I've been very fortunate to meet so many people in, in the music industry, but they don't, a lot of them don't come nowhere near to how nice and genuine Paul is. And that's true. Yeah. So, obviously, what, what have you got coming up? You've, you've been doing some solo shows, haven't you? Yeah, months. I've got, I've got, yeah, I'm playing, playing Falkirk soon, then I've got Glasgow, then I've got uh, Northern Ireland, I've got Brighton, I'm on some festivals as well, I've got a Shine On festival towards the end of the year, and I've got a festival that's taking place at Ali Pali um, in July, and I'm hosting a Q&A on the stage with Alan McGee. Um, there's, a, there's a load of gigs coming around that are all scattered up and down. Yeah, um, check out the Glasgow. I, I, I didn't know. I knew you were playing Falkirk, but I didn't realise you had a Glasgow date now. So I'll have a look for that. You don't. You don't fancy Falkirk, no? Yeah, uh, I don't know if I can get to Glasgow. Glasgow will be better. I'll go to Glasgow. Oh. Um, but all my mates. All my pals here have gone to Shine. They go to Shine every year, so I'll tell them to have a look for you there as well. I think I'm playing the Sunday. Yeah, I'm right. doing the... Uh, I think they've got like a comedy stage or something like that, and they, they're going to have me on there doing my um, my act, so that's, that's going to be a nice touch. Cool. Great line-up, that is. Other than that, boxing podcast, what happened with that? Because I've seen there was like... Yeah, so I did... I, yeah, I did a boxing podcast for a bit, mate. And it went all right. And then I just got really busy with other things. And I just ended up sticking right. that on the back burner, man. And I don't know, I think, like, we had some good guests coming up. But I, I'm i one of these people I like to do. I want to be doing someone who's had, like, two or three fights. I want to be doing someone who's had about 30 or 40 and is ranked three in the world or something. You know, I don't like... Because I, I want something that people are going to listen to. You know, who's going to listen to a podcast with someone who, right, this is Dylan, he's an amateur boxer, he's having his first fight soon, let's talk about him. No one's going to really want to listen to it. And because it was a new podcast, you needed, and I needed to, to, to set the standard high. And then you can go and do an amateur. Then, you you know, as soon as you've got the following, that's when you can go and do someone who, who no yeah. one knows about and, and get them a following. But I enjoyed it because I used to do boxing as a kid. My dad was, he did boxing for a long time, mate. He was heavily influenced in boxing and then um, got me into it and I did it for a while and then again stopped and went on into football. Because, I mean, for what I listened to, it sounded good and I kind of thought that this is me get a rival for podcasts as well. Um, but I've been, I've been looking at getting a guy on I was I was away getting my hair cut a couple of weeks ago and um, I was telling the barber that I did a podcast and he said, why don't you get this guy? Um, it's somebody through the local area, uh, Tom, no Tom, Tom Gray's name is. He's the editor of Ring magazine. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just, he's just a local guy from my area and he just made it. And uh, he was doing like, local radio, doing boxing and that, that's how he got into it. And he's... Uh, the top man in this magazine. So I'm trying to get a hold of him. Yeah, yeah you might as well, mate. Definitely. Keep, keep it keep it different, you know. Get everyone. Get magicians. Get... <laughs> yeah. Well, that's is that. I mean, that's is why I wanted to get somebody like you. I'd heard you on a couple of podcasts and 
you get an interesting story. It's it's different, isn't it? It's somebody different rather than just music uh, musicians all the time. Mm, no, I totally agree. So that that's about it. Then I'm, I'm really looking forward to these dates. Um, I'm looking forward to coming to Glasgow. I'll find it when that is. Where, where can we find that on your Twitter? Yeah, Twitter mainly now, mate. Um, since someone hacked my Instagram and <laughs> trying to get people to sign up to Bitcoin and shit like that. And um, wouldn't even know where to start with that bollocks, but. Uh, main, I've got I've, I've re- relaunched a new account now, um, but it's mainly on Twitter. But I think, I mean, I've got a website, themagicmod.com, but um, right. I'll stick on that. Like, I'll stick on that in the show notes. I'll stick a link to your Twitter and a link to the website and the the notes, and okay, uh, you can check it Mega. out. Mega. Obviously. The, the last bit then before we finish up, obviously. Go on, mate. Um, four heroes. Time for heroes. We have four heroes to come for dinner. Um, so you pick four heroes and what you would cook them. I can I can imagine I could pick probably one of them right away. Who? Weller. I would imagine if you've no got Weller, yeah. then there's, there's no point to this. No, do you know what? I'm going to change it, mate. <laughs> can they be? Can they be? Can they be? I know it's going to sound stupid, but can they uh, dead or alive? They can be dead or alive. They can be family. They can right. be friends. They can be whatever right. profession right. you want. Right. Paul Daniels, Lonnie Donegan, Paul Weller, Steve Marriott. Brilliant, brilliant choices. Uh, obviously, Lonnie Donegan is that your you got a daughter, haven't you? Is that who your daughter's named after? Steady on, big son. You've not been watching. It's a little boy, isn't it? Oh, is it? Yeah, Lonnie. <laughs> but, you wouldn't call a girl Lonnie, would you? Well, that I thought. I thought it was a girl. I thought that was quite a nice name nah. for a girl. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> Although, nah. nah. Although, nah, nah, nah. I could assure <laughs> you, nah, he's a boy. That's it. Um, yeah, I've named it. No, I did name Lonnie though. The boy, I, I did name him after Lonnie Donegan. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. I thought because I remember listening to him again. My dad got me into that, and I loved the music. And thought, what a great storyteller. So, I um, yeah, ended up calling Lonnie after Lonnie Donegan. Loved him. I so I mean that's a brilliant lineup as well. I think. They would all work together as well. Like, it'd be a, it'd be like a right nice dinner party with that work there. You get some good chat. Got some stories on that table, mate. I tell you, and then you got Paul Daniels for a bit of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Would you let him bring his messages? Um, met her a few times. She's a really nice woman, to be fair. Uh, but no, it's a lads, it's a lads dinner party, mate. Do you know what I mean? Don't start twisting the rules and bringing a plus one. <laughs> right. So, so what would you be cutting them, or would it just be a right? Would it just be a booze? No. Um... Fucking hell. Uh, right. Start off with um, Palumi. 
with no fuck that halloumi shit out i had it earlier in nando's that's why it's on my head but i'd have garlic breaded mushrooms with like a little um like a kind of garlicky soupy dip you know with like garnish round and all that and then for mains i'd have uh steak with onion rings corn on the cob mushrooms um chunky fries uh, again side salad and then for pudding i would probably it's either a apple crumble with cream or sticky toffee pudding or half and half mate i tell you what it's going to be a bit of both do you know what i mean that's classic, um, man. That's a classic fucking dinner, man. Listen, mate, that's what's going to happen, mate. I'm telling you. And we'll have a butler called Jeffrey as well. He brings it out. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first time I've ever had a butler on the podcast. It's got to be done, mate. It's got to be done. Yeah. You've got to keep it traditional. We're in like some medieval fucking castle, like all dicky bow tied up and all that. It's only us lot, but. It's, it's going right off, I'm telling you. Brilliant. There, as I say, brilliant choices, man. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Um, More than welcome, not a problem. Sorry it took so long, eh? Always had them. You're a busy man. No. Sorry, mate. But thank you for uh, persevering with me and not giving up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I'll post all your links. Um and people listening to the podcast, go and check him out on tour, wherever you are. There'll be a link for it. Nice one, man. Right, thanks very much, man. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Time for Heroes podcast. If you would like to get in touch, the best way is on the Facebook page, Time for Heroes podcast, or on Instagram at Time for Heroes podcast or Twitter at Time for Heroes P1 or drop me an email at Time for Heroes pod at gmail.com. You'll find Time for Heroes on all podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Google, and Amazon. Please leave a review where you can, share with others, and more importantly, enjoy. Chance!